Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. I'm excited about just to continue along these lines of talking about meeting the stewards. And the stewards are the model family. Uh, We've always looked at different uh, iconic families such as the Brady Bunch or the Waltons or the Little House on the Prairie. And I don't know if you've got just regular rabbit ear TV. That's all I've got. I don't have cable. But they've got all kinds of digital channels now. And they've got all those reruns of like Little House on the Prairie. And I don't know if you're like me, but they still get me. I mean, I can remember as a kid that, you know, the, the tears start to well up in your eyes. And even now as an adult, you know, I still get those tears, you know, kind of welling up. And I've got my kids hooked on Little House on the Prairie. But once again, we look at these families as to what it is to be the iconic or the model family. But in God's eyes, God says that it is the steward family that really is to be the model. Now, concerning the steward family... If you don't really uh, see the big picture, the Stewart family can kind of tick you off. Because they're the family that they have a great marriage. They've got awesome kids. They've got financial stability. They've got success in their life. And even though they're going through the obstacles of life, even though they're going through just what everybody else goes through, it seems as though they're on top and rising and they're always getting ahead. And therefore, we look at them and say, what makes you so special? And if we just look at them at face value, we can really get irritated with them. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Seeing those people that are getting ahead in life and you're thinking, what what makes you any different than me? Well, if you're a child of God, there is no difference. We're all in the same family. And God says that he's no respecter of persons. He says that he'll take care of you just like he'll take care of me. And I don't know if you read this in your Bible, but the Bible says that I'm God's, I'm the apple of God's eye. In fact, if you didn't know it, let me remind you, I'm God's favorite, all right? (laughs) Well, if I'm God's favorite, you're God's favorite because he's no respecter of persons. And so we also said that concerning that family... That seems as though God blesses everything that they do. That in the midst of everything that they might go through in life, the challenges, the the, the ups and the downs, they still maintain having joy in their life. And I really didn't get the opportunity to share everything that I wanted to last week. And I said last week was really just kind of foundational just to set us up as these weeks ahead as we get into this series of meeting the stewards but it just seems right to go back to really digging in a little bit more concerning about being a steward of joy because the steward family allows joy to rule and to reign in their home now if you recall i said this concerning the definition of what a steward is Number one, it is a man employed in a great family to manage the domestic concerns and the affairs of that home. Well, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you're in the best family that you could be in. 
I know it's so easy for us to look at the person next door. It's to look to look at the person in the other community or the other city or look at their subdivision or the houses that they live in and the cars that they drive and say, man, wouldn't it be great if we were a part of that family? But the Bible says that we are a part of the family of God. We're a part of a great family. Secondly, in definition of steward or a steward is an officer of a state as Lord High Steward, stewarding the household affairs and etc. All the things that come along with that. So in other words, what the definition of a steward is, is to steward or take care of something of someone else's. Now, to bring back to your remembrance... Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So he says, your body is the house that God dwells in. It goes on to say, who you have from God And you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Everybody say, I belong to God. So, if a steward manages the household of somebody else's, This scripture in 1 Corinthians tells us that our body actually is the house of God that he dwells in. And he goes on to say that it's not yours. It belongs to him. So therefore, it's my responsibility to steward God's house. Now let's just pause for a moment there. Because in making that statement... My life is not my own. My body is not my own. It was bought with a price and it belongs to God. That statement really has an opportunity to mess with people. Especially if you're not from a church background. Maybe you're an individual that not even walking with God. This is all new to you. And you start hearing that the moment you receive Christ into your life, you don't belong to you no more. You belong to God. That can mess with you. Or maybe when it comes to going to church, it's simply religious formality. I go to church because that's what I've always done. That's what I've always known. Rather than having a relationship with God. And as a result, I hear that statement that my life belongs to God. It's no longer mine. God owns it and bought it with a price. You know why that messes with people? Now listen, I've been doing this for a long time. You know why that statement messes with people? Because people are inwardly thinking... My fun has come to an end. I'm no longer able to have fun. The moment I start serving God, I lose my ability to have fun and life gets boring. Whoever told you that? Whoever said that serving God was boring? 
Whoever told you that God himself is boring? We've got this idea that God is sitting on the throne and has this staunch look on his face and he's got this club in his hand and that he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can bonk you on the head. And that's not God at all. Let me give you a verse. In, in, in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it says this. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. Let's stop there for a moment. He will delight in you with gladness. Come on, he doesn't look at you and think of all the stuff that you did throughout your life and has the, the Rolodex flipping through and says, yep, you, this day you did this and this day, and man, you're still messing up. No, the Bible says that God looks at you and it br- brings delight to his heart and it brings him gladness. You know what that means? That means that on the countenance of God's face is not a scrowl, but it is a grin. Come on, some of you, I look at you and you just make me grin looking at you. Some of you are funny, some of you are funny looking, but you bring a grin to my face. And God, he, he has gladness when he thinks about you. You can actually see God's teeth in heaven because he's smiling. He delights and is glad concerning you. Then notice what it says. With love... He will claim all or calm all your fears. With love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Come on, this is God. We think that God is just sitting up on the throne and never moves. No, the Bible says that God rejoices over you. The word rejoice means that you brighten up. So the moment you come to God's mind, oh yeah. It means to leap. It means to spin around. It means to dance. So when God thinks about you and gladness starts to stir his heart, he starts to get excited. Those are my kids. <laughs> Come on. Jesus is on the throne. Or God is on the throne. Jesus is at the right hand. And God says, you ready? You ready, Jesus? I'm going to start the wave. Whoa! And, Jesus, whoa! and all the angels do the wave with them. Come on. You watch TV and those dancing programs, you think, man, how gifted and how talented. How do you think they got that gifting and talenting? How do you think they learned how to dance? It was a gift from God because God's a dancer. Come on, it's hard to imagine God that way. But the Bible says that he dances over you. Who do you think came up with the Macarena? Kelly Umber. He dances over us and he rejoices and he sings songs of joy. Come on. That is not a God that is boring. That is not a God that is stiff and starchy. That is not a God that is staunch. And just waiting to hit you. He's a God. 
that has gladness and delights in who you are. You bring him joy. And as I said, there's this idea that, that God is boring. There's nothing boring about God. Look at this world. Look at all of the creation and its variety. I just heard yesterday that there are 74 species that go extinct every day. I didn't realize there was that much creation. But that's how awesome God is. God is funny. God is hilarious. God is cool. He's not boring. Anybody like comedy? You know, there's, what's his, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Hart, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Murray, Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy. I mean, whoever you think's funny. Now, I'm not talking about vulgarity. I'm just talking about funny. He's funny, right? How many of you like humor? I like funny stuff. In fact, I've got an app, uh, Pandora. I've got an app on Pandora that is just clean comedy. And I'll be driving down the road and I just want to laugh. So I push it in or I start playing some funny stuff. Now, I, I've got to be real honest with you. It takes a lot for me to laugh. But I find myself driving down the road at times and I'm cracking up. Well, who do you think made them funny? They're not funny by themselves. They didn't create humor. It's a characteristic of who God is living in man, living in people. And all of us have different varieties and different things about us that come out in the personality of who God is. God is not boring. In Psalms chapter 126, starting in verse 1, the Bible says that God led captivity captive. What that means is that we were once bound, we were enslaved, but now we're free. And he says, now, when you truly become free, here's some characteristics. It says, our mouth was filled with laughter and our lips were filled with singing. And the nations say, the Lord has done great things for them. Come on, when you experience the freedom of God, when God comes into your life, when you realize I'm not my own, that I belong to Him, and I'm going to steward this life, God says, when you steward joy into your life, and you're free, laughter and singing and uplifting attitudes of freedom is just part of what I want you to experience. Come on. So many people live this life, and I'm talking about believers, that the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We're free, we're going to heaven, but we're so bound up and so tight and so, oh, you, I can't even put words on it. You get around him and you think, dear God, you're about ready to snap because you're wound so tight. God wants us to be free. He wants us to experience joy. It's his desire and his delight for us to experience the freedom. Now, I said to you that people will say or make this statement. The fact that my life is no longer my own means that it's no longer fun time. I no longer have the ability to have fun. Or, again, now you, you have to understand some things. Once again, I have been doing this for 20 plus years. Many times when people think of this life, 
of serving God in not having fun, what oftentimes it represents in the thinking or the mentality of people is that I'm no longer going to be able to partake of substance that brings me joy. Now listen, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about this, but, but there's some truth to what I'm going to say. So many individuals will look to drugs and alcohol so that they can find joy in their life. But like I said, I've been doing this for a long time. And, and what you'll find is that people will say, I can't wait to get to the weekend. I can't wait to let my hair down. I can't wait to relax. I can't wait to unwind. I can't wait to cut loose. I can't wait to have fun. But really what they're saying is I need help to escape from the reality of my life and cope with the stuff in my life. And when people say, well, you know, I just God just says you can't have fun. Really what they're saying is that I'm afraid to do this by myself with God's help. Because if I don't have something that I can turn to physically to help ease the pain, dull the pain, to, to smooth things out, I might have to cope with this stuff by myself. But if you recall, the Bible says that when God brings joy into your life, He takes all your fears, all your concerns, all your worries... He says, that's my heart for you to truly be free. Not having to be dependent on something just to dull the pain, just to get through, just to, just to quiet your mind. He says, I want you to be free. He says, how do you become free? By being a steward of joy. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. He says, for his divine power has given to us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic life. Let me read that again. It says, For His divine power has given to us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic life. Does that sound boring to you? No. One of the things that He says He's given you is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, Peace, love, joy, peace. It's yours. It's in you. It belongs to you. You're not trying to get it. God says upon receiving Christ, you've got joy. And this joy that I found, it has given me the ability and absolutely have everything to give me an incredible life. Dynamic life. I don't have to turn to something for a crutch. I can turn to God and say, God, I want to be free. And God will say, then I need you to steward what belongs to me. Steward your life like it belongs to God. I said, steward your life like it belongs to God. So therefore, if your life belongs to God... Now, I'm, I'm getting ready to make a real strong statement right now. But nevertheless, it's true. 
If our life belongs to God and God has put joy on the inside, then we do not possess the right to be mean, to be grumpy, to be rude, to be moody, to be a sad sap. No. You've got to make a conscious choice to be that. But God says, I've put joy on the inside of you. It's in there. Stir it up. Steward that which is on the inside of you. Because your life belongs to me. And God never intended for your life to be a hardship, a difficulty. He wants your life to be full of joy. Say that with me. Say, I want my life to be full of joy. So, for you to steward that, here's what God says. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So, you know what that tells me? The Bible tells me that for you to be grumpy, to be mean, to be rude, to be sad all the time, to constantly dwell on the past, that tells me that you're giving ear to the enemy. Because he said... The heaviness in life comes from a spirit. So that means somebody sitting on your shoulder saying, don't you feel like being grumpy today? Well, you've got an excuse today because it's that time of the month. Well, you know how she treated you. You've got every right to tell her off, Adrian. Right? Well, you know... They did that the last time. They're going to do it again. You know this always happens in your life. See, there's always something that you have the opportunity to give place to. And it's that little conversation in your ear. And therefore, you'll divert your eyes to look for something else. But God says, put on the garments of praise. How many of you put your socks on today? If you got socks on. (laughs) Some of the women saying, no, not me. Uh-uh. If you put your socks on, nobody did it for you, I don't think. I mean, my wife serves me really well, but I don't know that she's ever put my socks on for me. Tomorrow. <laughs> but you've got to put it on. It's a conscious choice. Now, notice what it says here in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. It was speaking of Abraham, and it said this concerning Abraham. If you remember, God made him a promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. It says, and and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that he who had promised, he was also able to perform it. Now, here's what I want you to see with that. One translation says concerning Abraham, it says it this way. He considered his body, and then he considered it not. What does that mean? That means that there's going to be stuff that comes up in your life that's going to get up in your face, and you're going to look at it, you're going to think about it, you're going to entertain it, you're going to consider it, but then after you considering it, you're going to have to say, well, my God is faithful and is so much bigger than this. And therefore, my God is faithful. Come on, it's human to look at circumstances and consider it. 
But God says, Abraham counted him faithful and considered not his own body. He says, God, I'm trusting you. And, and this here it says in the New King James, it says that he wavered not at the promises of God. The King James says that he staggered not at the promise of God. What does that mean? There are times that God will talk to you about some things and it will cause you to stagger. You know why? Because there are things in your life that are right there in your face that are telling you it's not going to get any better. You're going under. It's never going to change. And God steps in and says, but all things are possible to him who believes. God, God, that's, that's, that's a lot to say. You might stagger. But God says, we're stagger knots. You're a stagger knot. What's your name? What family are you a part of? The stewards. What do you do for a living? I'm a stagger knot. Some that are astronauts, I'm a stagger knot. I don't stagger at the promises of God. He's faithful. Can you say amen? Now, what does that mean? As I said, there are those that live for the weekend to try to find escape, to find release. And what they're really doing is changing the poopy diaper. All week long, stuff's been going on. And the diaper's getting full. And it's been dragging. And it's just like, this is nasty. But the weekend's coming. And I'm going to take this diaper off. And I'm going to stick it in the corner. And I'm going to go have some fun. So Friday night and Saturday night, oh, I found some joy. Woo! But Monday morning came. What's that smell? Well, I try to get free from all the poopiness in the, in the life. But all I did was stick it in a corner. And it's starting to stink up the whole life. Stink up the whole house. Why? Because all I did was try to cope. But I didn't deal with the poopy. Come on. You can say all day long, there's no poop in my life. There's no poop in my life. Listen, how many of you know poop happens? I'm sorry if that offends you in saying that. But you know what I'm saying. It happens. Life is messy. But what do you do? You just try to push it to the side and not do anything about it and just try to cope through life and hoping that it will go away. No, God says you've got joy on the inside. Do something about it. You say, well, what do I do? What did Abraham do? What did Abraham do? He staggered not at the promises of God. But then gave God praise at his faithfulness. He praised and glorified God. To stir up the joy that is on the inside of you. You've got to move your mouth. The Bible says over in the book of Psalms. That God ordained strength from your mouth. In fact I, I, I think I shared this on a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night. 
I was talking about my son. And there was a time when he struggled going potty. Going number two. We tried to get him to go on the potty. But for whatever reason, he was challenged with that. He could go in his bedroom. He could get in the closet, shut the door in the dark, in the clutter of everything. And he could do his business. And we would say to ourselves, where's Carson? It's awful quiet. (laughs) And sure enough, he'd go in his room and he'd pull the door back. What are you doing in there, bud? Oh, nothing. What are you doing in there, buddy? Nothing. Did you go poo-poo? Nope. Then he walks out. You did go poo-poo, buddy. Whew, you stinky too. See, that's where people are at. They try to cope with life. They'll get off by themselves. They'll close the door and just take care of business by themselves, thinking it will go away, trying to cope. But God says you can't do it by yourself. That's why it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. See, you can look to a man, you can look to a woman, you can look to things to entertain you, to occupy your mind. But God says the only way you're going to find joy and have fulfillment in your life is if you steward the joy that is already on the inside. And he says, how do you do that? Begin to lift up your voice, give praise to God. Whenever you get quiet, as a pastor... You begin to know your people. And when people start getting quiet, when people stop being, start being absent, when people start disappearing, when people start getting a little disgruntled, you're thinking, oh, you've been in the closet. You've been taking care of your business in the closet. Yeah, I can smell you. I can smell you from here. And I don't say that to be critical. I'm just simply saying that we separate ourselves and God says, come on, let's rejoice together. And if you find that it's difficult to do, then come in the assembly of the church together, lifting up our voice. Let's do it together, do life together so that we can steward joy and enjoy this journey together because God wants us to have fun. God wants us to enjoy this life. Psalms chapter 8, it says, out of the mouth of babes, And nursing infants, he ordained strength. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my my strength. How do we stir it up? By opening up our mouths. Is it just that simple? Yes. Let's just begin to praise God for his goodness. Praise God for his faithfulness. Praise God for the joy that's on the inside. You need peace? Praise God for the peace that's already on the inside. You need joy? Begin to lift your voice and praise God for the joy that's on the inside. And you'll begin to find that there's a pump that gets primed on the inside and you'll see it start to come out. Look in the mirror one time and just purpose to smile. Now your mirror may have have not seen you smile in a long time. But I guarantee you, if you'll be intentional... And on purpose, start to smile. It will change your day. You've heard this before, I'm sure. It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. The Bible says a merry heart does like medicine. Why don't you just purpose to get off in the corner 
and laugh. <laughs> what you laughing at? Because God said, I got joy. Do you feel like laughing? No. <laughs> How are you doing that? By faith. What do you really want to do? Well, I'd really want to cry right now, but I, <laughs> I'm going to laugh. I'm going to stir up joy. Come on. It's in there. You don't have to stay in that dark place. You don't have to carry that garment of concern and worry. You don't have to entertain the voice of the enemy talking to you 24-7. Let's get free this year. Let's steward our lives like it truly belongs to God. Amen? Let's stand. Did you do okay today? Amen? God's faithful. I said God's faithful. Amen. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to just worship God one last time before we go. But as we worship God, purpose to turn your attention on His faithfulness. He's proud of you. He's pleased with you. You've never disappointed God. Let me say that again. You have never disappointed God. You're right in the perfect plan of God right now. The Bible says that He knows, knows the end from the beginning. So this day, where you're at in life, there's no surprise to God. And God it says, let's start today. The perfect plan. Let's start today being a steward of joy. Let's start today by being happy. Come on, you know where you're at in life. Your spouse, your children, the people around you, they're just miserable because of that stuff you carry with you. Right now, let's cast our cares on the Lord and say, God, I choose to be free right now in this moment. And I thank you that joy is going to come up. And I'm going to feel light and easy and feel free. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray and then we're going to let the worship team lead us in song. Remember this. If you want to take growth track, it is immediately right after this service. We're going to serve you lunch. It'll be a fun time. You can join us in that. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to turn our attention and affections on you. We thank you for the joy that is on the inside of us. And right now, Father, we purpose to give place to joy. Allowing joy to bubble up. To give us laughter on our mouth. Singing on our lips. God, we thank you that this garment of praise is driving off every heaviness, every burden, every weight in our life. We thank you right now, in this moment, we give place to freedom. Because we choose to steward joy right now.
Jesus' name. And everyone said, Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.